Welcome to Material, a show all about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. I am one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, Andy Anako, who is a tech columnist all the way from Boston, but uh, the company he works for is Chicago Sun-Times, so you're throwing me off, Andy. You're throwing me off with the, the different cities there. I'm sorry, I should have told you to fasten your seatbelt because the Indianotco ride has a lot of twists and turns and bumps. <laughs> and we also have app developer Russell Ivanovich. And um, he, your, your company's called Shifty Jelly, but you develop a Pocket Cast, which is a popular podcasting app on Android. It is. It's also popular on iOS. And we're from Australia. The accent would have never given it away. That's why I had to point it out. <laughs> uh, I was thinking uh, New Zealand, right? Yeah, Ooh. pretty much the same country as, as far as I've heard. That's <laughs> that's the consensus. We like to hang out at uh, Bondi Beach, as uh, oh. Mike and Stephen well found out the other day. Oh, sorry, that's yeah, a that's a cross show some, reference right so there. That's, for a, you. that's a sensitive that's a sensitive topic. I don't know if you can bring that up. Uh, maybe go and send uh, Mike and Stephen some love. I, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't, I think they got so all go the Australian it. love they could handle last time they mentioned Bondi Beach, uh, Yasmin. But we, <laughs> we did get one bit of Australian feedback. Uh, some Australians have officially disowned me for not liking Vegemite. And to those people I say, Vegemite is disgusting, people. Our country needs to, to move on from this. It is literally one of the worst things I've ever tried in my entire life. And I've tried to eat a lot of things. Hmm. See, at least it's almost like it almost like it should be a point of national Australian pride that one of the one of the a popular consumer item is absolutely filthy, and it's part of your national character that you embrace this. It's it's sort of like uh, Americans and like the almost disgusting quantities of food that you can get with unlimited refills and uh, and, and 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 side salads. See, it's disgusting. It's terrible, but. It, we embrace it. It's part of our national character. It's like this is how much we don't care about our perception to the rest of the world or our own bodies, that we are willing to have two sandwiches called the Baconator on the same menu with a 32-ounce soda with unlimited refills. At least yours are tasty, Hash. though, Andy. There's nothing tasty about Vegemite. I'm sorry, people. I'm taking this. I'm, I'm burning this whole place down. That's, that's it. No more Vegemite Australia. See? Time to I move on. Don't even know what that is, so maybe <laughs> maybe I should be happy. Uh, we did hear oh, from a lot of. Uh, oh, oh, you, haven't, sort of you haven't tried Vegemite. It's, it's sort no, of a I yeast have... spread. Am I, am I correct in describing it as a yeast spread? In, in typical Australian fashion, it's it's a byproduct of making beer. So we made the beer, and then there was all this stuff left over, and we're like, "What do we do with this?" I know we make a disgusting paste that you can put very thinly on like toast. I, sorry, I know what a lot it of Australians. Like? It tastes kind of yeasty, very <laughs> bitter, terrible, kind of salty. It's yeah. Imagine if you you got salt, you got yeast, and you got a few other things. You painted them black because you know black is a good color, and then you put it on toast and you ate it. Delicious. I did. Uh, so, someone did. Someone did send me a sample of it, and the best way for me to describe it is like remember like a day at school where you overslept just a little bit, not enough that uh, you couldn't possibly make the bus. So you didn't even brush your teeth, didn't comb your hair, left your homework on your desk, managed to get pants on, managed to get shoes on, hopping off uh, out of this uh, out of the out of the house, running, running, running to the bus stop, making it exactly as the doors were closing and pulling away. That's what Vegemite tastes like. That feeling <laughs> on the side of, when it's and it's twenty three degrees and it's Boston and you know that your mom already told you that if you miss the bus again you're going to have to walk the two miles to school. That moment at the side of the of the street. That's what Vegemite stands, sounds, uh, tastes like. 
you know, sounds sounds wonderful. Cannot wait to uh, try it. You know, eventually, eventually you're, one you're, day. You're, perfect, you're perfectly welcome to use that, that what I just described as a slogan. If you can get it on a T-shirt, all, my, all power to you. <laughs> In fact, Yasmin, yes, next time I'm in the U.S., if we do happen to meet, I will bring no, some Vegemite. I'll bring a very small no. container because you, you don't need a lot of it to, to find out. It's disgusting. Okay. okay. Well, well, I will try it out just because, you know, I feel like I need to because we have so many Australian listeners. Uh, we did hear back from a lot of people from the Midwest saying, yes, we are material fans. So shout out to all the Midwesterners. And uh, they were saying, you know, hey, we did get the Internet just like a year ago. But, yes, we listen to podcasts here in the Midwest. Uh, no, that that's not what I was implying, everybody. I was just saying that it's a, it was one of those small world moments. Uh, so, yes, thank you, listeners, for saying hi and letting us know where you're from. If you are, yeah, let us know where you're from because it's always kind of fun to hear where listeners are from, where they're listening. And I think we had, uh, what was it, one from Portugal or what, what was it? Um, I forget. There was one recently that it was like listener from well, now I'm, now I'm just making <laughs> a fool of myself because I'm just making up stuff. I think we should start a hashtag, Yasmin. That, that's what yeah. all the cool kids do. We need, oh, like, okay. worldwide material or something like that. WW all material. Right. If you tweet at us with the hashtag WW material, we want to see all the different countries that you come from. Yeah, that would be, be super, super fun. It will also allow us to call ourselves internationally beloved. Like, mm. if we have actual proof that there's – all we need is one country – and Australia doesn't count, and the United States doesn't count because that's like home field advantage. We're supposed to get those for free. There, there are a few hundred of them. I think we should be able to pick up at least one or two, surely. Indeed. Well, uh, some follow-ups from last from last show. We were talking about how uh, you have to be really, really careful about apps on the Play Store because, of course, as soon as there's a popular app, especially for iOS, that hasn't made it to Android yet, we're talking about, for instance, uh, the Prism app, that really good uh, photo filter app that turns your apps into really, really cool paintings. And, of course, it's not going to be available for Android until the end of the month. And, of course, there are like 100 apps uh, that, are, that are entitled Prism Filter Suite for Android uh, and these are pretty much scammers either trying to uh, take advantage of all the searches or do something even worse. Uh, and here is an example, of course, of something even worse, as promised. Uh, Pokemon Go. If you look for Pokemon apps uh, for uh, for Android, uh, yes, the official app is, of course, there and it's going. It's wonderful. Uh, but if you got tricked into downloading Pokemon Go Ultimate, you actually downloaded a piece of malware that got snuck Ooh. into the Google Play Store. Yes, supposedly what happens, I did not... I, 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 I want to do right by uh, readers and listeners, but I didn't decide to install this myself. Also, Google was nice enough to pull it after it started uh, locking people's screens and basically uh, holding their data for ransom. Uh, it supposedly uh, locks the screen immediately after you install it. Uh, you can't even restart it to, uh, to unlock that screen. Uh, you have to either pull the battery or use the Android device manager. Uh, and even if you do manage to get rid of it, it will try to rename itself as the Pi Network. What it does is it doesn't actually, I'm sorry, it's not actually a ransomware app, but it installs a background process that automatically sort of sends clicks into ad into ad, uh, ad networks so that uh, the, they get their affiliate uh, money for it while bleeding your battery and your and everything else down to a crawl. Uh, so once again, you, you really have to be, every time that I'm about to search for something on the Play Store, I check to make sure it has more than like 340 downloads because it's something that's popular enough to be a worldwide sensation should have more than 340 downloads, uh, but also looking for comments of people that don't seem to, that, that seem to correlate with the real app. But most of all, uh, go and look for, look for coverage of the app, find out who makes it and make sure you're getting it from the actual 
distributor of that app and not something like not something that sounds like a combination of Russian and Chinese. Uh, those Russian slash Chinese company names tend not to make the these apps. They tend to make the apps that maybe you should take a second look at. Yeah, man. So it actually got on the on the Play Store. Yeah, is that so? Got it. Got on. The, it got released into the wild, and then it went, and then it, then it got uh, got pulled. But because you always hear these like horror stories, and uh, you're like, oh, they might have like sideloaded it because you know with uh, Android you can actually just download an APK and sideload, and and there you go, you have the app. Uh, but when it actually makes it onto the Play Store, oh, that's so so bad. Yeah, but apparently got a few thousand downloads before it was pulled. So there, there were some people that got it. There were some people that are affected. Not a huge number, but that's that's still a thing. And I guess that's the difference in the two approval policies of the two major app stores. Uh, Google is very much put your app into the store and the second we find out there's something wrong with it, we'll yank it. And Apple is very much, you know, we'll spend as long as we want reviewing this and, and looking for things and kind of locking the platform down more. And they both have, you know, advantages and disadvantages. And I guess this is a one disadvantage of the Google ways that occasionally, you know, things things like this get through. Yeah, I mean, by the time Apple would have approved this app, Pokemon Go wouldn't have even been a thing by then. So, <laughs> Well, to be fair, if, you, if you've ever looked in the iOS app store, it is full of fake apps. So the difference is that oh, yeah. a lot oh, of them so aren't terrible. delicious. Like you have 12 different flavors of Minecraft, Minecraft 2, Minecraft 3. Apple doesn't block um, IP-restricted stuff. They let that through just the same as, as Google does. Um, but the difference is in iOS, you can do a lot less once you're on a user's phone. You can't do things like take over their lock screen, whatever else. So with great power also comes great responsibility i guess so uh google play store um with care <laughs> <laughs> once again it's well it's it's what's it's, the other difference between the two stores is that at least the play store gives you a lot more information about the app you're about to download so that's where you can get uh, precautioned and uh, and get beware so uh, we, we all uh, i am really particularly waiting for the for prism to come uh, to come for for android uh, i have been using it on my ipad i like this app so much it is it is my pokemon go it's like every single photo <laughs> inside my photo my photo reel on on ios it's like a pokemon that i have to find the ones that look great in prism and it seems to be about two out of every five of the pictures i've ever taken look awesome processed by this app uh, it's, it's sort of like a uh, you've, you've seen a when the deep dream uh, was released the code that lets you make really really psycho lobster multi-eyed horrifying cronenberg style <laughs> versions of your photos uh using uh, using ai now these are sort of using those sort of, those sort of techniques to create something that's actually just sometimes just shockingly beautiful uh so so good that i'll have to say that i feel i immensely feel so, felt sorry for every mediocre artist that has ever spent two or th- to four years at art school because uh, is you still need like the eye and the creativity and the passion and the soul of an artist to create an image out of whole cloth, even if you're creating it from a photo. But if all you know how to do is I know how to load paint on a brush and sort of put it on there in a way that's cut, that will represent what was originally there in the image. Yeah, we got computers that can, we got free apps that, that that can do that. The painting that is has no soul to it that you spent all of two months creating. I created while I was waiting in line to buy stamps. So try to find another thing to do with your with your talent. <laughs> Andy, Vans need I, painting. 
Andy, I'm super, super curious. Um, you have the NVIDIA Shield Pro um, at hand, so you've been playing with it. And I'm super curious because um, I actually got the Nexus player. A listener shipped me a Nexus player. They were uh, really, really nice. So thank you, listener, who shipped me the Nexus player. Um, but I had the Fire TV beforehand, and I never like invested in getting a Nexus player because I heard, ah, it's all right. It's like not the best, you know, whatever. Um, and I think at the time that I got the Fire TV, I got it on sale because of uh, – what was that sling tv there was like an offer but the nexus player wasn't available and so <laughs> that's how i how i started off with it but i you know i have the nexus player i've had it for a couple of months and i actually really like it because it's really nice to be able to just watch the movies that you buy on google play uh movies loaded on your android tv whereas before i would just have to load it on my phone and then chromecast it which is not an issue at all and you can actually chromecast onto the nexus player so that's cool uh but the problem is like if i was i was out and about and uh, my husband or even my mom was at home with my daughter they wouldn't have access to my library but now that we have the android tv they can just lo- open up the nexus player launch it and boom they have access to all their all the all the media that we have on there um so i love the i i actually love the google play um you know or sorry the android interface um and i've made the mistake of installing Android N, which uh, crashed Crossy Road. And one night my husband was like trying to play Crossy Road and he was like, why is it crashing? And then he restarted the box and it said, you know, you are a part of Android's beta program. And he's like, yes, mean, like, why is this on beta? And I'm like, <laughs> no, is it me? You know? Uh, so yeah, so I've, I've had some fun with the Nexus player, but I'm curious, like, what is the NVIDIA Shield experience like? Because it's going to, it's supposed to be a pretty heavy duty uh, device, which is, allows you to do 4K uh, TV shows and movies, but also has some powerful uh, gaming experiences. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty out there. Uh, it's a th- this one is the, the Nvidia Pro, uh, which has 500 gigabytes of storage. Uh, it's 300 bucks. Uh, it looks like a cool game console as opposed to uh, something that you buy off of eBay and it's drop shipped from China, which frankly is pretty much every other streaming box that's out there. Uh, it's uh, definitely 4K. Also, it's got like all NVIDIA guts, so it can easily handle uh, like high compressed uh, and uh, and uh, low compressed uh, 4K video to every device that you actually want to stream it to. Uh, one reason why it got my attention is that you can also use it as a Roku server uh, and I'm switching all my stuff all uh, to, to Roku, so I'm st- I'm preparing to re- I'm preparing to write about it, which means that I'm getting close to the point where do I tell people? Well, I've got a, a Synology NAS that costs about five hundred dollars, and it's as easy to set up as a network attached storage that's attached via Ethernet to your cable router. Uh, maybe I should also look at other things that maybe are more friendly and less expensive and maybe have a game controller attached. Uh, and so it does. It really does well for that. It's, very, it's easy, to, easy to set up. Uh, it is an Android TV device, uh, which means that you have a lot of search capabilities built in. It can find pretty much any way you can find the, the Golden Girls anywhere that's available to watch right now. It will find the way to see that. The other nice thing about it is that... Uh, Remember that Google has been a little bit stingy uh, at deploying Google Music to other platforms. So uh, unlike the Roku, unlike the Apple TV, you can get the, all your Google Play music library uh, over there too. Built-in apps are kind of stingy. You get your Netflix, you get your YouTube, you get your uh, you get your Plex, uh, you get the Play Store. Uh, 
uh, uh, you also uh, that means uh, you have the ability to get a whole bunch of Android games that have been uh, sort of retuned for the 4K experience. Uh, it's not so much that they have to be re-released; uh, they will run just uh, existing games will run just fine, especially if you uh, if you kick in for the uh, for the controller. But it's uh, it's a it's a it's a better uh, big screen experience. The other thing that that really caught my eye is that it allows you to also use a streaming games gaming network uh, called a. Uh, called GeForce Now, which is, of course, uh, a NVIDIA system. So essentially, you're connecting to NVIDIA servers, and they're basically virtualizing uh, the game platform. So you're basically running lots and lots and lots of different PC-style games. Uh, but because it has all these really, really good on-the-fly transcoders, it can just basically receive 4K video and put it on your screen and get uh, get your inputs from the controller in a, in a pretty fast fashion. Uh, this is a little bit off of my uh, area of expertise, because I'm not a gamer i'm i'm still i still like my tetris i still like games in which you're trying to get tiles that look the same to fall on on top of each other so that they collapse revealing a smaller tile or a diamond that you can then collect for for points and 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 and, uh, and charisma uh, but uh, for 300 bucks or about 100 bucks less if you want to get the the version that has a much less storage and just sort of bring your own storage awfully awfully nice uh, the question is as always i think I find it easy to picture the person who wants to have the serious jackhammer style uh, Microsoft uh, Xbox or Sony PlayStation and run uh, and run uh, uh, Madden games and really really intensive uh, intensive games. I see the people who want to spend a hundred dollars on a Roku because they chiefly just want Netflix and streaming services. Uh, and the simplicity of that sort of thing. I'm not sure where the shield lies just yet, because with the Roku, you will get every single streaming service that exists has an app for this. I mean, the the fact that you can get the the Sling dot uh, com uh, streaming uh, uh, cable TV service uh, on uh, both the Apple TV and the Roku has was one of the things that sort of compelled me to finally cancel all but like the local stations on my cable. Um, whereas with the Nvidia Shield. Again, you got you got the you got the, you got the basics, but you don't have that extra extra cool stuff. But I've, I've only had it for about two or three days, only about enough to check to see what it really does. Uh, I'm going to be living with it in my HDMI one <laughs> uh, port in the living room for a couple of weeks before I really figure it out. Uh, but as but if you are switching to considering switching to uh, switching to Plex. It's a good way to say to your uh, husband or wife, "No, no, honey, I, no, no, honey. I didn't want. I didn't want to buy a three hundred dollar video game console. It's so that the children and you and everybody we can have our family movie night with all of our home videos and photos streaming directly from directly from the Plex server that it runs. Really, the the fact that it's a game control. It was. It's a package deal. It was a special July eighteenth purchase deal offer that you get free controllers and a, and, a, and a spaceman hat i don't know why they gave you a spaceman hat i hardly even wear it when i'm watching home videos dear <laughs> yeah i was you know before i got the nexus player when i was looking at different options i was really in, uh, intrigued by the razor so razor forge so it's kind of the the same idea where it is running android tv so you can play you know android games and stuff that you find on the play store but i think there is also a component where you can stream from your pc i don't know exactly how that that is all set up um which i thought was actually really cool because a lot of uh gamers you know are pc gamers but trying to bring that into 
the living room and if you don't actually have to have your PC um, in your living room and you can find a way to stream it like that was uh, something that was really really cool so uh, it's kind of I guess there is an interesting thing to say uh, about the fact that like a lot like Razer and Shield are providing their own gaming networks kind of systems that you can download and buy games from um, I guess there's just not a lot of incentive to still be developing for Android TV yeah, the Android TV component is, for now, it's kind of a dud. I don't really spend much time in it. And I also, I'm sorry, I do have to correct myself. Again, I've only had this going for a couple of days. And unfortunately, the early part of my week is the head down to the grindstone work, 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 Andy, uh, period. Uh, and there are there is actually an app store that has stuff like uh, the Sling app. And it does have uh, Hulu. It has HBO Now, HBO Go. So it really does have the full, uh, the, the, the full menu of stuff you'd expect to find uh, on a streaming box. Uh, so it really comes down to: Do you want to spend a couple of hundred bucks more for uh, over the cost of uh, of, of a Ro- of a Roku box for something that really tries to be like a, it really tries to be like a PC without all the stuff that a PC needs uh, to make it a, into a really good uh, set top experience? Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, work, 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 work. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, see, this is again. This, here, here you see this. Uh, I've, I've, I've been a, what I, what I like to call a journalist for like twenty or twenty-five years, and so I'm saying something that I believe to be true, and say, and because I'm speaking like extemporaneously, it's like let's double check to make sure. Oh yeah, there you go. There's, there's the app store that you haven't had time to check out yet, and there they are. So now you'll look really, really stupid. You, you can look a little stupid now by correcting yourself, or very stupid two days from now when someone says, "Yeah, how? Yeah, you know, you're not obsessed with having the iHeartRadio app and the Food Network app." Uh, and the and the and the Pluto app, whatever that is. <laughs> so, you know, the, the best apologies. thing you can do is being able to access uh, YouTube because you can't do that on the Fire TV. But being able to access YouTube on uh, just the yeah. Android TV is is amazing. It's kind, of, it's, it's kind of a bummer when they hold back that one thing. If, if uh, you can really kill any platform by not making YouTube available for it, so. So it's too bad Windows Phone users. <laughs> but, oh, of course, don't, but of course, don't go there, Andy. But of course, then, then you get then you get four K. Then you also get YouTube in four K, which is also pretty swell. You don't you don't really figure out how how much content is being upgraded to four K until you finally have a box that will convert it all. And within a year or two, it'll be really more expensive to buy a ten eighty screen than a four K screen because everyone's just going to be selling four K. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely coming. I mean, it's. It's interesting to me that both Apple and Google have said, here, apps on your TV. It's the solution to all your TV problems. And they just sort of slowly back away from the microphone. They're like, buy it, buy it now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not 100% convinced, but I mean, apps like Plex and you know, apps from the various networks, they do get you a lot of the way there. And obviously, YouTube is, is amazing on all platforms. So I didn't get to correct myself last week because we record normally the show on a Tuesday, my Wednesday, the American Tuesday. And literally the next day... Uh, my Chromebook got an update um, and I had the official Google Play Store down the bottom. I'm on the, the dev channel, which is just something you can toggle if, if you're brave enough. It hasn't set the laptop on fire, so it, it seems like it's okay. And it was a really weird experience because obviously, you know, we're all used to having Android phones. You open your Android phone, there's the Play Store, everything's in the Play Store. This is the same Play Store. It's in a little 4 by 3 you know, rectangular window kind of floating around on your Chromebook. And I was, you know, clicking around and installing apps and some of the things that surprise me the most are some of the things that probably shouldn't have. Like everything just kind of works. Like I installed Dropbox, I, Android, I installed my password manager that I use on top of Dropbox, I installed things like Slack and 
these apps need to communicate with each other. So at one point, you know, I had to link my password manager to Dropbox and I'm like, is this going to work? And I just press the button and one opened the other one and the Dropbox is like, hey, do you want this app to access this? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And that was all kind of seamless. I was, again, something I shouldn't be impressed with, but the clipboard just works between the two because I think technically, you know, there's two different operating systems here, but it just feels like one, you know, you copy something in Android. I guess it's not even Android anymore. It's in Chrome OS. It's available everywhere. You save a picture you know, on the Chrome OS side of things, it's available in all your Android apps, you know, on the standard sort of thing that you expect in Android, that file picker where you've got, you know, recent and downloads and, and different things like that. Um, uh, a lot of the apps, it's interesting the way they run, they, they tend to come in two sizes. So apps that support tablets will come in a, almost like a 4-3 sort of rectangular aspect ratio and you can press a button to take them full screen. But there's no in-between sizing at the moment between those two. So you've kind of got these little rectangle windows that you can drag around or you've got, you know, full screen. And then apps on Android that don't support tablets, so they're phone-only, you know, portrait apps, they appear in sort of smaller um, portrait-style windows. So it's 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 fairly seamless. It's a little bit weird that you can't, you know, I'm so used to, to on a desktop operating system just dragging a window and, you know, resizing it up and down. You can't do that, but everything else works. And then it about 30 minutes in, I realised that the model of Chromebook I have, the Chromebook Pixel, was actually touchscreen. And that, it's weird, that just took it to another level. Like it, I'm just yeah. dragging these windows around with my finger, I'm interacting with things and, and it felt, you know, way more natural to do it like that. I know it's ergonomics-wise, it's not the best to hold your arms out at, you know, 90 degrees to your body for, for too long. Your, your body's not really designed to do that. But there is something about touching a laptop screen directly that's like, ooh, ooh, this is kind of nice. And a lot of people are asking me on Twitter, you know, does this make uh, Chrome OS useful for you? And for me, I think not as a developer, but as someone who outside of, you know, development likes to get on the internet and, you know, browse things and and whatever else, get on Twitter, get on Reddit, get on various websites. This kind of bridges all that gap because I've got got my Slack, which I didn't particularly like having in a tab and having like, you know, 12 tabs for for each Slack channel. I've got Twitter, which is all my Twitter accounts in in one app. Again, I've got things like Pocket Cast where I can, um, you know, download podcasts and things like that. It works, you know, just like the Android app. I'm like, you know what, if if I didn't have to do development, this this is kind of everything I need. And the battery life is still amazing. So it, like I said, it's still the, the dev channel. It's, you know, it, it's fairly beta still, but I easily get 10, 12 hours, you know, out of this Chromebook. And that's compared to my normal laptop. I've got a, um, I should never have bought it. I've got the original MacBook that, that <laughs> Apple made, not, not the current model. It is so slow and the battery lasts like two hours or something before the, the thing just burns out, dies. I'm like, this is just such a different experience. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like that's a big opportunity for if you can get Chrome OS on, let's say, a, a five-year-old uh, iMac or a five-year-old MacBook. These are a whole bunch of computers that are out there, kind of rusting because they're kind of they work they work great with for, with Windows Seven, but Windows Ten has kind of left it behind. Uh, the latest version of Mac OS has left it behind. Uh, if you can now install of this really super lightweight Chrome OS and then get access to the Android Store, uh, the Android App Store, that's pretty darn slick. Now, what do you, uh, I have not had a chance to install uh, to install uh, the, the Play Store yet. Would you describe the experience of using Android apps as uh, sort of like on equal footing as you would use a web app? I mean, if you had to spend all day inside Microsoft Word uh, for uh, Microsoft Office for Android, would you would you be doing it and be very comfortable with it, or does it feel like oh, isn't it nice that I get the opportunity to run this app if I want to or have to? But of course, obviously, this feels like it's been sort of bodged in, and I'm, I wouldn't want to spend my entire day like this. It's it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, so there are there are some apps that just work flawlessly, and, and I'd treat them better as web, better than web apps. So 
Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Twitter is probably a good example. There's a few other apps that are like, yeah, this is this is how I want the experience to be. But there's some apps that clearly weren't expecting you know to be on Chrome OS, so they work. But you can tell they were designed for a phone, and you're interacting with them like. And some of their login screens are portrait, and then they go landscape, and they're, they're doing sort of weird things like that. And it kind of throws you out of that experience. You're like, oh, all the text is really tiny, and it's like, oh, okay, clearly they intended mm. this to be on a phone, and I can't read this, you know, properly on my laptop screen. There's still a few sort of small visual glitches like that, but I think for the most part, I actually, yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable using these apps. I mean. I, I do wish that you, you could kind of arbitrarily resize them to different sizes. I kind of get from a developer point of view why, why Google might not have done that. That's probably the only thing. Like when you start stacking three or four of these things next to each other, I'm, I'm waving my hand in the air as if there's a you know, magical Chrome OS device floating in front of me. But you find <laughs> on the screen that I have anyway, you can probably only fit five apps at once. And I know that sounds, that sounds greedy, you know, on Android and you only get two apps. So I'm like, I want more than five apps at once. And that's, that, that's a pretty yeah. minor thing. Overall, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with it. Yeah. The, the other nice thing is that I, I, it does remind me of how impressed I am with uh, with mater- the material operating, excuse me, the material user interface, that it really does, when you have it on a big, big touchscreen, it suddenly feels like it was designed for a big, big, big touchscreen. When you have a trackpad with it, it suddenly looks, feels like it was designed to be used with a mouse or a trackpad. And it's not as though it goes undergoes any sort of metamorphosis you just sort of realize that oh that's why they decided to make a primary action button big and round and easy to find with a finger or a mouse pointer so i'm pretty excited about being able to run these things on and but something that looks like, like a laptop yeah and it's 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 just really smooth the whole experience as well i was expecting i think as a developer because i know how some of this stuff works in the background i was expecting a lot more hiccups i was expecting a lot more weird keyboards popping up or clipboard things not working or apps not having access to each other but Everything I tested it just worked and there was only one or two sort of really old apps that haven't been updated in three or four years that I tried to install and just said, hey, this, this app is not compatible with your device. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. So there are a few little things that you can't do that you could do on an Android phone, but for the most part, yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm super eager to like play with the Chromebook running Android apps. Um, I haven't, I haven't jumped on it and bought one, but maybe uh, you know when uh, Christmas rolls around, I'll uh, have to have to get in, in on one because that's uh, super interesting. One thing that was really frustrating to me, um, a huge uh, like, I love being able to resize my windows because I like to lay out all my windows the way I want them. Um, if you were to look at my screen right now, it would be like Google Doc on one side, which is the browser. Then we have the Skype on the top right, and then at the bottom our Slack channel, so I can see everything. And then there's another second screen, um, so that would be uh, pretty pretty uh, f- frustrating. Um, but hey, maybe maybe they'll change that where you can actually resize things. I guess it would be a little bit hard because if you're resizing it and having the app layout change. But this episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. Well, Linode is a lot of things, Yasmin. One is it is, it is our sole and only sponsor for this week. So we love them an extra amount. Linode is a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers that are spread across eight data centers around the world, uh, which makes them a fantastic uh, solution for your server infrastructure. So the whole idea is um, it's a really easy way to get like a, a, like a machine in the cloud. So you go to their website, you go, bam, I want the $10 one, I want the $20 one, I want this much RAM. I press go, I choose which installation of Linux you know I want on there. And then literally a minute later, there's a machine sitting there in the cloud that, that you can play with. And as a developer, uh, this is the kind of stuff that makes us happy. You know, we deploy a lot of our pocket cast infrastructure to that, a lot of the, the weather stuff that we do here in Australia as well. And you know things like the, the SSD storage, the customer support, 
Um, just the admin area that goes along with it is just really rock solid. And you're sitting in a in a data center. You've got 40 gigabit, you know, network with you know various levels of redundancy and things like that. So it's all the things that hosting a server in in your basement is not. You know, it's reliable, it's solid, it's fast. Um, some of the things you can do on there, you know, if if you're like me, you might want to run a private Git server. Uh, you might want to host large databases. You might want to run your own mail server. Um, basically, anything you can do with a computer in the cloud, you, you should try it with Linode. So as a listener to this show. You want to go to linode.com, which is L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash material, and you'll get $20 towards your first plan. Um, that's, you know, some of their plans are only $10 a month, so that could give you two months of free access. You also get a seven-day money-back guarantee. Uh, so if you decide it's not for you, no problems, you get your money back. Uh, so again, linode.com slash material, where you want to sign up and take advantage of the $20 credit. Or if you're already at the checkout process, you can use the promo code material20 at checkout. So we want to thank Linode so much for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. And Google release the fifth and last preview of Android Nougat. Can I just still call it Android N? I'm sorry. I'm probably going <laughs> to still call it Android N. Nougat. Nougat. I'm not well, there's three go. different ways. Nougat. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so they released the, the final preview before it's scheduled to release uh, later this summer. Um, and if you so if you have been holding out and saying I don't want to load a beta onto my phone, maybe maybe this one will make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, the funny part is that I am part of the beta, but I actually haven't received the latest beta, so I have no <laughs> idea what's uh, happening. So I was rem- I was like going back and the system updates and like check for updates, check for updates, tapping that button again, and I was like, oh, I don't miss this. This is you know this is what I <laughs> this is what I'm used to when there's like a new. Uh, Android uh, release sent out, and I'm just like, check for updates. You're lying to me. No. Oh, go- uh, so Google I don't know what's going on. Uh, never ending saga. They get you every time. Uh, but this one is supposed to be the last one, you know, before probably sure if they'll find some more bugs or something they'll uh, get that all uh, fixed out um and with the release they have introduced the nugget easter egg uh which i'm pretty i wanted to play the easter egg but i actually can't play it because i'm because i haven't gotten the beta so i'm like pretty upset about it because i even i thought i had gotten like the latest one and uh fandroid released this like how to activate the easter egg and it's usually um i think this is probably the most complex easter egg you have to activate usually it's like tap on you know one letter three times and then spin around in circles and then tap on it two more times and then boom you get the easter egg and it's usually a game i think uh one of the last ones is kind of like the it was kind of like flappy bird or um you would tap on on the little android and it would navigate through it or flappy droid is that what they called it uh but this one is and people are going to just are going to are going to throw stuff at me because i'm going to pronounce i'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this it's a game called nico at Zoom kitty collector I butchered that, didn't I? I know. Andy just threw something at me. Andy, how do you pronounce it? Oh. I don't know. I just wanted to throw something at you because you said that people are going to throw things at you. I, I know I know no more than you do. And so the, the whole idea... I just there, wanted to make actual... you laugh in a very, very cheap and but satisfying way. It was it was dangerous. I saw bottle, bottle caps falling, <laughs> coming to me, and I was like, oh, no, are they going to get out of the screen? Uh, but the game it's a game on Google Play, and Nico, I'm just going to say Nick, Nico. It's probably pronounced something different. So the whole idea is that you can get cats, and you just leave out these, like, uh, you leave food out in plates, and then you cats come and visit you. And so it's kind of like this just fun, fun uh, game. And I'm looking at the illustrations right now, and they're super, super cute, which I'm like, wait, how have I not... Uh, <laughs> 
um, played this game already. Well, anyways, the Easter egg plays off that where you have to uh, lead. There's like a, you know, they're showcasing the quick settings that you can actually edit them on Android N. And so one of them is you can leave an empty dish and then you can place food on it. And then a cat can appear. And I guess they have different ones too. I think there was one where it says like a chicken appeared. Um, and so it's different things can appear. So it plays off the game, which I thought was super cute. Um, so I'm excited to play it and we'll put the link in the, the link in the show notes. I did say that right. Not the show in the link notes. No, um, but we'll put it in there so you can take a look at it. But I just want to read some of the instructions on how to get this because I was trying, because I was trying to do this last night and I was like, what is happening? I can't get it to work. It's like, open the settings app, select about phone tap on android version three times fast tap on the big n a few times followed by a long press wait for the cat emoji to appear be- below the end that means it worked well i didn't get i like did all of that and i didn't get the cat at the bottom so i was like what is happening what am i doing wrong um i got the one that was before that where it says namey mcname face because i had they hadn't released the name of it um <laughs> before then so it was pretty funny uh but then once you do that, you go into your pull down your notifications, you know, look, expose your quick setting toggles, edit, and boom, you can go in there and, and, and change all of that. So um, it looks like a pretty fun game. So if you do have the latest build of the beta, go out there and activate that fun Easter egg. That's probably one of my favorite things um, when, when the new Android <laughs> releases are being out. It's just like the little fun little Easter eggs that they hide in there. Because it's like yeah. no one has to do that. But that's just fun. So that just they just do it. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to know. But, and I, I mean this with actual joy and respect. I'd like to know who got paid for that. <laughs> I like I like is it is it like there's a is there like a lottery system where like whoever it was who had to solve like a really really absolutely white knuckling soul shattering yeah there's a battery bug that's destroying people's phones and i'm afraid that you're gonna have to cancel your your vacation janice until we get this finished it's gonna all be about you and everyone's gonna blame you if it doesn't go right and then like after as a as a congratulations and an apology all you have to do for for nougat is come up with a really fun little game we'll hide somewhere you'll get paid the same as everybody else the same person who's responsible for for encryption because this is your this is your reward for doing so much work the last time for for so little reward like what what did what did they propose but they didn't do well no i think there is um they so nat and low released a history of the easter egg and i think it actually started off as a 20 percent project and I don't know if it's still a 20% project where they're, they're, that's where they're building it or if they've actually, like, that is a job now to, to be the Easter egg builder. This has to be, like, really, really, again, you, sh- you should be proud of any creative and wonderful work you do that causes pleasure for anybody. But at the Christmas party, you know, you're just sort of hanging around the bar drinking beers like, oh, well. That's funny. All of us did twenty percent projects. What was yours? Oh well, uh, I just I just had this idea that we could not have to to do clean drinking water one hundred percent. If we get it to ninety seven percent, we can actually like uh, waterborne illnesses could be almost eliminated on this entire peninsula. What, what did you do? Well, I came up with this data compression techniques. I found out there are a lot of people in developing nations that don't have the sort of broadband to support multimedia, but we could do something at the server end so that they could get the entire rich experience we get in the United States of America. Oh, that's wonderful. What did you do? You know that cat game that if you tap the button like 80 million times, you get it? That's what I spent 20% of my time on. Oh, there's a support group somewhere. I love, I love humanity. I love Google. I love big companies that basically say, 
We're not going to tell you what you need to do on your 20% project. Whatever you think will nourish you and will create something that you will be proud of that's cool, we will support you on that. God, I love Google for supporting <laughs> projects like that. So, yeah, so we'll definitely put the link in the show notes for the YouTube video so you actually can find out more about how the Easter eggs were created. So I can't I remember it started how it started off, but I can't remember if like now people actually get get paid for that or why not they get paid for it. But if it's like a part of their job title or if it's just the, still a 20 percent time. So uh, but that's what makes Android fun. I mean, from what I've heard from a lot of Googlers, that none, none of them will, will obviously you know, put their names behind it, but I've heard that it's 120% time anyway. So chances are you work 100% of the day <laughs> and then you work an extra 20% of the day to have fun. So we, we take our hats off to whoever you know, took some time out of their, their extra time. Hey, it's, it's salary. It's a salary, Russell. You know, it's a salary. You know, we're not paying you hourly. So, uh, <laughs> you want to work here, Yasmin. We have fun things and free food. Stay, yeah, exactly. stay forever. It's so much oh, fun. Oh, when can I do that? After work hours. <laughs> Got to say, speaking of working hard, this being the the final preview of the beta that developers are going to get, um, it's at this point that Google actually recommends, hey, target you know API twenty four, which is um, Android Nougat, and you know publish your apps. They're actually saying you know put them in the alpha beta channels, you know make the changes you need to make, adopt um, you know the new features and test them out. So this is where a lot of developers start to lose sleep as well as they try to support you know all the the screen size changes and the the system behavior changes and the you know changes they made to you know things like doze mode and and all that sort of thing. So have fun developers. <laughs> is are, are you guys like playing a game of chicken it sounds like where it's you know that if you put all your work in at the start of the of the beta cycle the ground is going to shift under your feet and you might have to do everything all over again. But if you decide to wait for everything to be stable now you only have about 3 or 4 weeks to finish everything they're not they haven't been they still say they still say late summer they have not been more precise than that but the fact that they're designating this on july 18th july 19th as the final developer beta indicates that they feel as though they have killed the 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 big monsters that the little monsters uh will not be able to survive in earth's atmosphere Definitely. I mean, we've we've kind of learned over time that if you try and fix things too early in the beta, uh, all that ends up happening is at the end you're disappointed because all the things you tried to work around and fix have actually been fixed. But if you don't test your app early enough and you can't report the fixes back to Google, then sometimes the operating ship uh, system ships and those things are still broken. So it's that it's not quite chicken and egg. It's more like a seesaw, Andy. So imagine you've got a seesaw and you're standing in the middle of it. If you transfer just a little bit of your weight to the wrong side, the seesaw starts to tip. And then you kind of have to tip the other way. So uh, this is a really bad analogy. But the two sides are you trying to work around, you know, things that might be system bugs or things that have changed and you reporting things back to Google. You kind of have to get those in the right order because if you if you spend the entire time just trying to make your app work and don't talk to Google at all, you're going to be really disappointed by the time beta 5 comes out and you're like, oh, actually all that stuff I did was irrelevant. It no longer matters because, you know, Google fixed it all. That's, that's kind of part of being a developer. So you kind of – you do learn that over time. But now – now is the time where you're like, okay, this is this is stable. This is pretty much finished. You know, obviously there's going to be another build before this goes final, but there aren't going to be any other developer builds. So you know, you get what you get. This is it. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, <laughs> or else. <laughs> you know, you you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. I think that is basically the recommendation for every American voter in 2016 that the presidential oh, election is going to happen. I may throw a fit. I may you're throw a get, fit. <laughs> again, yeah, you're going to get what you get and just don't throw a fit because it'll 
I, I, although I did notice that Air Canada is now running like web ads saying, why don't you give Canada just sort of like a test move with like, these low, low fares over the summer? Just, you know, scope out the property values, see, well, <laughs> check out some schools for the kids, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, once again, uh, uh, Google's doing uh, made a cool little enhancement to search, one of those invisible little enhancements where now if you do search for register to vote or something like that, it doesn't just give you search results. It'll actually the top of the, the top search result will be a little tiny card, a, a card with like a, a whole web app that it pops out. It knows where what state you're from, so it'll give you here's the here's the we will walk you through right now the steps for voter registration uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or wherever you happen to be, uh, step by step by step, uh, which is uh, it's a. Part of what it's part of what the interesting opportunities and unique opportunities that only Google has because they really are they're not just the the concierge to the internet they're kind of the concierge they're they're kind of like that person in your house it's like the it's like the middle aged parent inside your house that knows how to how to get a stain out of a garment that uh, that knows that it knows uh, if this uh, if this uh, package of hamburger is safe to eat or whether you should just chuck it out it's where people go for basic answers and google understanding that we can do more than just simply tie this question to an algorithm if we know that they're doing they're asking something that we can really help out with we're going to step by step walk them through a process and uh, Given that's how important it is that people vote in each and every election, we're not going to just tell them when the next uh, what the election date is. We're going to say, here's the deadline for registration. Here's actually how to do it. Uh, we're going to ask the right questions. Uh, all that it's a, search is such a powerful, powerful app. It's more than just simply saying, "What is this Pokemon show game I keep hearing about that was in all the all the comedy monologues last night?" Uh, it really tries to be the most uh, intelligent and helpful advisor it can possibly be. Um, and so uh, it's it's quite a responsibility. Uh, you can you can imagine uh, with all that it knows about me through my search history. Let's say that you had someone who is more of an old fashioned James Bond villain communications mogul saying, "Oh, I think I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to." Uh, the Whig Party candidate to win, and I'm guessing that Andy Anatko is a, is a member of the Whig Party, so I'm going to give him wrong instructions, or I'm going to take him to really, really bad search results so that he never figures out how to vote or how to how to register. Uh, so it's it's part of that extra extra mile that Google has to go through, given that they have the responsibility of being the middle-aged uncle, the middle-aged <laughs> parent in the house who knows uh, knows know, knows uh, how to hem a, how to hem a skirt. Yeah, they've also added uh, another really, really cool feature. Like, yes, totally knowing how to register to vote is super, super important because um, it can be pretty, pretty complicated. I know in Australia, Russell, they have like a sausage cook-off or something. It's a sausage sizzle, Yasmin. You've got to get the alliteration right. <laughs> so it's called the democracy sausage. And every voting station you go to is meant to have one. That's, that's part of our... We don't have a constitution as such, but if we did, that would be number one in the constitution. The right to <laughs> there bear sausage. There must be sausage providing yeah. at, the polling, at the polling stations, the voting booth. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's amazing because, uh, and yes, the voting system here... Uh, not so great. You can get the mail-in vo- votes, which are always great. But the, the another thing that they did really, really cool is that if you search for the Republican National Convention, and even if you search for the Democratic National Convention uh, the following week, is that it's going to provide you a lineup of the speakers, uh, which is pretty pretty awesome because you can scroll down and say, okay, here, here are all the people that are speaking, gives you some stories and whatnot. Uh, but the really cool part is if you click 
or not click, sorry, tap on one of the speakers. Uh, so for instance, right now, I just tapped on Ted Cruz, and it tells you he's a United States senator, gives you some information. Um, and then it also tells you what on the issues, like what his stance is on some of the issues. And if you tap on more issues, it actually brings back all these different issues like immigration um, and, his, and, and taxes and all this stuff of like, that you can expand and find out what he said and how he stands on that. And it provides new sources to go back on there. So that's actually pretty if, cool because... And if you're wearing an Android Wear watch, it'll say, okay, your pulse rate just went up to 140. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to automatically switch you to animated GIFs of baby elephants. <laughs> need, I mean, need more cute GIFs, need more cute GIFs. So, um, so that's actually pretty cool because it provides you know the information on there. And no, they're not the ones that are actually writing the stuff. Like it's going through uh, some of the things and providing new stories so you can actually fact check the things that they're providing. So uh, yeah, you know, and then it says, other candidates on this issue so you can you know tap on other people and then we got hillary there here we go so it's a it's a pretty great thing to just be able to navigate and see kind of um being able to educate yourself because that is so so important it's just being able to educate yourself uh, when it comes to voting and the things that you do so thank you google for making this stuff easier and more simple for people to get educated on um but yes go check that out if you haven't registered to vote please vote your vote counts and it really does make a difference on just the impact of the nation. So go out there and do it. Maybe we'll have the more ter- greater voter turnout this time than in any other election because the, the statistic that I keep hearing repeating is that never before in presidential election history have there been two candidates with lower approval ratings than the two than the than the two probable nominees on both of these parties. So maybe just on the basis of I just don't want this person to be elected so strongly. I don't care about our guy or our or our woman. I just want this other person not to be elected. Maybe that'll finally get her, get us to the <laughs> that, magical forty-two percent turnout. There we go. Yeah, there, it definitely has. I believe there's been an increase um, in that because people are just so feel so strongly uh, against either one of the candidates. So um, go ahead and hate yeah. vote. It works. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe we just need to start doing the sausage sizzle and uh, just so. I got to ask you one more question about the sausage sizzle. Oh, ask sizzle. all the questions you want, Yasmin. I'm ask here all for the all your okay, sausage so Does like, the government needs. provide the sausage? Oh, no, that, that would be a, a conflict of interest if the government provided the sausage. So the okay. sausages are private funded and you also pay for the sausages. So I know a lot of people think democracy sausage is free, but democracy is not free, people. You've you got to work for it. So it costs you a dollar or two. You can choose onions or sauce. They're the two standard toppings. There are no other toppings. Occasionally barbecue sauce, which is a little bit un-Australian, if I'm being honest. It's, ah. it's, it's a bit more British, <laughs> you know, brown sauce coming out of a bottle. That's, that's very British. But it, yeah, so you have to pay for it. But the, the citizens band together, Yasmin. It's not like we have amazing voter turnout either. Our voting is mandatory. So if you don't turn up, you actually get fined. And we still don't get anywhere near like 100% turnout. And they still have to get the sausage sizzle out there. I mean, come on, it's sausage. You got to go. <laughs> I guess what about if you're a vegetarian or vegan? That probably wouldn't be a good thing for you. There, there, is, often, you. there is often vegan options. But if I'm being honest, as oh, good, a non-vegetarian, they're, they're probably not great. I, I doubt they, they buy the most gourmet of vegetarian sausages and, and cook them on a separate plate that the oil never touches. I don't think they do any of that. I think you're still getting so, some fat. Okay. So your uh, polling stations, a lot of ours are usually on uh, like school campuses or I think churches a lot. So it's just uh, places not usually a business, um, but I think they're like nonprofits or whatever. But is that usually the case for where you go to vote, Russell? Like do, how, do you, how do you guys know where to go to vote? 
Uh, it's it's generally the same thing. So it's it's schools, it's churches, it's gyms, it's it's anything that's that's big, and you, you can vote out. I don't know if there's a restriction on it not being on a private property, but generally, yeah, it's it's probably the same as America. And then outside, you're accosted by people who there's one official representative from each party, and they've got all these flyers they're trying to give you, which is always hilarious to me because we we have a Greens party here who I often often vote for because I'm a greenie, yo. And they they've printed out like I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of bits of paper. I'm like, this seems a bit weird. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, I, that's my, uh... I, I I have to ask because I know how this would go in the United States if this were like a real thing. Are there media groups or political consultants who are trying to find or keeping an eye on? What places are moving the most kinds of sausage and what condiments are being used at this polling station over other polling stations as a way of trying to extrapolate what the result will be or how best to lobby this particular voter group in the next election? <laughs> you were so close, Andy. There are there are a ton of resources dedicated to democracy sausage. There's a hashtag on Twitter. There's a website. There's all sorts of resources. Um, it doesn't seem like the the evil sort of media conglomerates have figured out that they could use that to their own ends yet. This is this is still like a people run operation. Maybe maybe by the next election they'll finally cotton on. They'll be like, you know what? This is, this is a thing that we can control. You know, he who controls the sausage <laughs> controls the vote. <laughs> Oh, I want I want some sausage now. Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Move to some Australia. Brats. That's all I have to say about yeah. the American election. I Move know, to it's... Australia. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got my eye on Canada. <laughs> oh, there you go. Poutine. <laughs> Tim Hortons. <laughs> all I'm all I'm saying all I'm saying that this this is not this is not just the the country of my birth. This is the country where a, sh- a short like twenty minute walk away, I can go to a twenty four hour Dunkin' Donuts, and right across the street from there is a Wendy's that whose drive through window is open until one or two in the morning. I'm not sure that I can find another spot on earth that is as well attuned to the needs of an Andy and Otko as this. From sea to shining right, sea, God bless America. We we got to stay here and and fight for it. All right, <laughs> no, not actual physical fighting. Everyone, it's all right. We're not endorsing other that. Pe- other uh, that's other people have that t- covered. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's probably a good spot to uh, end end the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as the non non American here, I have to wrap this up before we start getting the the hate mails from both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we haven't said where we stand on anything. I Just have letting people know. Vote greens, people. Vote. See, I can do that because I'm Australian. <laughs> I'm not American. Ha-ha. You are wearing a green shirt. You are wearing a green shirt. So I, I thought that's why maybe maybe you wore it because you just love the color green so much. We want to thank everyone for listening. Andy, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, uh, I'm a guest blogger at uh, Wig Party headquarters. Uh, we really think that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's our year. Uh, not since uh, Henry Clay and Theodore Frelinson uh, do have we had such a strong ticket. I can't really remember who's, what their names are. I think we actually haven't nominated anybody. But that's pretty much where I'm putting most of my efforts because uh, grassroots starts with the uh, grass underneath your feet, I always say. Uh, but if you can spell Anatko, you can go to uh, twitter.com slash Anatko. Uh, you can also go to Anatko.com. That's where you post links to stuff that i have written and stuff like that and russell where can people keep up with you uh, you can go to twitter.com slash rusty shelf and i've just realized i'm missing a huge opportunity you know i have an okay amount of followers at the moment i should get me some more and then weaponize them yes i'm gonna weaponize my followers 
I don't know what we're going to do yet. Uh, Andy's already got the political party covered. I'm going to have to figure out some other way to, to control the world. Another, another great thing about America, this is an open carry baby state. You can walk anywhere with your baby. They can't take it away from you. They can't make it say, I'm sorry, you're not coming into the 7-Eleven carrying that baby. A lot of people even flaunt it because they, they feel that they're sticking up for their rights. And they'll, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a rack with two kids in it, and I'm just going to push them wherever I, wherever I darn well please. God bless America. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that, Yasmin. <laughs> Where can people find you, uh, Yasmin, and, sh- and keep up with the, the fun things that you do in whatever state of America you're from? Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> Arizona where uh, we have all the buttons. You, you can find me. So frustrating. You can find, you can find me putting out uh, food dishes and for little cats, little kitties to come over and, and play the kitty collector. Uh, please let me know how to pronounce it. Don't hate me. I'm so sorry. Nico Atsumi. I have no idea. I, I said it again. That one seems get right. Some, get some hate mail. Is it Japanese? Okay. Nico Atsumi. It looks, it looks like it because it's, it has a cute like uh, cat character, you know, the illustrations. But I don't know. I'm just, man, I'm digging my hole. I'm digging my hole. But you can find me on Twitter at, at Yasmin Evian. You can find us on, on Twitter at, at Material Podcast. Let us know where you're from with the hashtag WW material and you can send us feedback at material podcast at gmail.com and you can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material until next time stay material <laughs>